This is the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're looking at loneliness in episode number 118. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life Podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am happy to be bringing you a new podcast this week. We're going to go ahead and jump right in, not get lost going down rabbit trails or anything, because this week we're talking about a pretty important topic, which is dealing with loneliness in the postpartum period, and also dealing with loneliness just when you're parenting, period. This could be a big problem, especially for stay-at-home moms or probably also for stay-at-home dads, but especially when you're a stay-at-home parent, you can start to feel pretty lonely. So I'm going to give you some tips today. This is a place that I've definitely been in my own life. It's not really a place that I would say that I'm at anymore because I am actively going to births and uh, prenatal appointments and that sort of thing to help other women out as a student midwife, so I'm out and about a lot more. Uh, And also Scott's home with me as a work-at-home dad. So it's not a place that I'm at anymore, but it's definitely a place that I've been at for the majority of my parenting years, where it's been mostly me as a stay-at-home mom and even me as a single mom for a while. So I'll give you some tips. Hopefully these will help uh, and help you to realize that even though it can be lonely and isolating sometimes, The opportunity to be home with your kids is an awesome opportunity, and there are things that you can do to help overcome the loneliness that might be a side effect. So first, one of the things that I do still experience sometimes is loneliness in the immediate postpartum period. I definitely experienced that with Sadie, my last baby. I can honestly say I hope I don't really experience it with this little baby that I'm pregnant with now, but it might happen. One of the things that I think happens especially when people are trying to be conscious about giving you time with your baby, is that it's it's almost like a, you know, a two ends of the continuum, but there's no happy medium. So on the one hand, you don't want people to be, uh, you don't want people to be telling you to get up and come out and entertain guests, and you don't want dozens of people all around and that sort of thing. You don't want people's hands all over your newborn baby. You want to spend time with your baby, uh, and you want to spend time able to rest and recover, because let me give you one tip, ladies, is if you take a couple of weeks to keep it easy in bed, on the couch most of the time during the first week, uh, I like in bed personally, but on the couch works, and then even in that second week at home, and then just gradually step up your household duties, gradually step up being out and about again, uh, then things will go better, really, ultimately, overall. You have to do the recovery at some point, and it's better to do it right away than to have it strung out over a long time, which is what happens to a lot of moms who end up jumping back into things too quickly. Now, having said that, advocating for yourself and even enforcing that early time of rest can end up being in and of itself isolating. Um, Or you might get visitors for a few days who come in and out, but then they trickle off. And then it's you and baby. And I think this is what happens with my family is they want to give me and baby space. um, But you know, like my family's busy, so Scott's out front trying to handle kids' stuff. 
so that I can rest in the bedroom with the baby. Uh, but it ends up being pretty isolating. So a couple of things that I've found to help with that. One thing that can help is being out on the couch in the middle of all of the hubbub. That may or may not work for you. Uh, it doesn't tend to work very well for me. It's just overwhelming. I might go out and sit for a little bit, but then it's just noisy and overwhelming and everybody wants to climb up and sit beside mama or they want to see the baby and it's just, it ends up getting stressful. So one thing that helps me uh, is to talk with Scott. You could talk with your husband or your partner and let them know, I need you in here with me sometimes. So I really appreciate everything that you're doing. You're handling the meals, you're handling the cleaning, you're handling the other kids. But sometimes I really need you in here with me and the baby just just to be here. There may not necessarily even be an agenda. You don't have to come in and be ready to have a discussion with me or anything. I just want your presence. Maybe we sit and read beside each other or, you know, maybe you play on your laptop on the on the bed beside me, that sort of thing. So you just have that other person. And this can be a place where people who are willing to help out can be really helpful because they may come in and offer, I'll watch the toddler, I'll watch the older kids for a little bit, or I'll take them to play. One of the things I've seen with a lot of the families that I've served um, is that a good friend or family member can come and take the older child to the park or to their house or something to play with. And give the new parents some time together, or the new again parents some time together, without the sibling or siblings there. And I think that's I think that's a good thing because it relieves the childcare responsibilities from both mom and dad. And so the two of you can be together, which can help break that isolation. Um, some other things that help are make sure that you're eating well. I like to have a couple of things that I've saved, uh, especially for that time. So. There's an author whose books I really like. She writes historical fiction, Julie Klassen, for anybody that's really interested. Anyways, uh, she releases a new book every year or so, but I just don't have a lot of time to read fiction between homeschooling and my own student midwifery academics and life. So I always get one of her books to read in the postpartum period. And that's that's really nice. It makes it feel almost like a mini vacation. Another thing that you could do is maybe you have a series that you want to watch on Netflix or on Amazon Prime or something, and you save that series for, uh, you know, for the early postpartum time. I would pick books or series that you are relatively certain are going to be feel good. Um, so don't pick a really intense drama. Don't pick, uh, you know, horror or anything weird like that, because your emotions are going to be all over the place anyways. So, you know, just, just pick something happy or even a funny, funny sitcom or something. But if you have set something up for yourself like that, <clears throat> that you can watch or that you can read or something like that in the hours that you are going to be in the immediate postpartum, that can help you get you know, get through that time. Other things that you can do that are fun, they only take so much time, but post pictures of your baby to Instagram, take a, a gajillion pictures of your baby. One thing I did while I was pregnant with Sadie was I checked out all these photography books from the library on how to get good pictures of your kids and of your baby and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> this year, I think, I think it was in the Ultimate Homemaking Bundle, which is done now, but uh, 
but I got my copy and I think there's a couple photography books in there that I'll probably read this time because that's something else that's fun to do, I think, is to position your sleeping baby this way and that and take pictures. So just think about little things like that that you can do. And then, of course, rest when your baby rests. So if your baby is snoozing, try and take a nap. In the early days, that'll be easy to do. Once you're getting to a week postpartum and stuff, you're probably not going to want to sleep as much as the baby unless you're really not sleeping a lot at night. But especially in those first early days, I mean, sleeping and just recovering, sleeping, eating, going to the bathroom and nursing your baby, those are really good things to do. So let's move on from that immediate postpartum period now and just talk about when you're in the in the postpartum period but you're starting to get back into things or even you're past that so you're a stay-at-home mom with toddlers or preschoolers or uh, you know you're in a situation where you're able to get up and do more for sure. So the very first thing still is to take good care of yourself. One of the big things going on with loneliness is our mental state of mind and our mental state of being. And if we're not taking good care of ourselves, then that impacts us mentally and emotionally. We just can't be our best for our children if we haven't taken good care of ourselves. Probably the biggest problem that I see with moms who contact me when they're struggling postpartum is that they're not eating well. So... They were usually very vigilant while they're pregnant, but then the baby comes and that, it just goes away. Now, it's true that you don't need to eat a pregnancy diet when you're not pregnant, though if you're still establishing your milk supply, I think it's a good idea to stay on a pregnancy diet. But then you don't have to eat as many calories, but the problem is, is most moms go from eating a healthy 2,300 to 2,600 calories a day, that's a good pregnancy diet, to eating like 1,000 calories a day because... They forget to eat or because it takes too much effort to make something or because they're just too tired and this, that. You know, so many different excuses. One thing that you can do to solve that is plan during pregnancy, make freezer meals. The easiest, least stressful way that I have done this so far, and I've had many pregnancies and have done it many ways throughout pregnancies, My opinion on the best way to make freezer meals is to plan two to three of your weeknight dinners starting at 32 to 34 weeks pregnant and double or triple or quadruple if you're Kristen. Just double those and then put the doubled portion up in the freezer and by the time you hit 39, 40, 41 weeks, you have a lot of meals in the freezer. And... It, ha- it doesn't take much work to double a recipe if you're already making it. I think that was how I did it with Sadie. It was stress-free. I felt like my freezer almost filled itself magically. Uh, but you, if you're in the postpartum period already, it's too late to do that now. But you can say, okay, once a week I'm going to make a lasagna and I'm going to double it so that it's in there. And then the next week if things are you know falling apart, you've got a fussy baby, you don't know what to do, you have that lasagna in the freezer. Or if you're feeling good, okay, this week I'm going to do something else and put it up in the freezer. So you keep kind of being proactive to make sure that you have something easy and that takes care of dinners. And then lunches can be super easy for a while. They don't have to be fancy. If you can make yourself a nice salad and... You know, that that might be enough if you do a good loaded salad or a nice side salad and a sandwich that's got some protein and some cheese. It's 
that's probably good. That's enough food. And you might have a snack. One thing that's usually recommended is to have a snack every time you sit down to nurse your baby. So a handful of trail mix, drink half a bottle of water. Next time you sit down, you might do apple slices and almond butter, something. Those things help you to be fueled. And one thing that I would really emphasize is to make sure there's healthy fats in there. So maybe you decide to make a quick taco salad tonight and you mash up an avocado, dribble a little lemon juice in there and have some guacamole. And maybe you even put a dash of sour cream on there. Or maybe you have olives on your salad. Maybe you have high quality dairy fat through cheese. Maybe once a week you make sure that you're going to eat some salmon or twice a week you make sure that you're going to eat some oily fish. You want to get those healthy fats in because those help you mentally. They help your brain. Your body prioritizes your baby. Your baby's brain is very greedy, especially at the end of pregnancy, hoarding up to 10 times what it needs of essential fatty acids. So you need to eat so that you get that back again. You really, really, really want to make sure that you have those healthy fats going in so that you are taking care of you. So eating and getting the healthy fats are really, really important, I think. Make sure that you're eating regularly, even if it's not the most gourmet fare. Take care of yourself. Taking care of yourself also means things like getting a shower, getting up in the morning. This is actually my next point. Creating a normal routine for yourself. It doesn't have to be a rigid schedule, but you and your baby will likely both benefit by working out a routine for both of you. And it will ebb and flow and change as your baby grows, especially if your baby's really young now. But one thing that I've seen uh, with teaching my class Go to Sleep, which is my series covering baby sleep, is I recommend that parents who have young babies who feel very frazzled, my baby doesn't have any sort of routine, or even an older baby or, or a toddler, but especially those young babies or six months and under kind of babies, a lot of times you feel like they have no routine. So I have a chart with the class where the mom can actually shade in when did baby sleep. Some moms also like to put when did baby nurse. And it's really interesting to look at the chart after a week because if you say like blue was for sleeping and yellow was for nursing, um, if you look at where those bars are shaded in, you might see that the timing is different on different days, but, but the pattern is very similar. So maybe yesterday baby slept from 2.30 to 4.30 and today baby slept from 2.45 to 4.50. So it's not exactly the same, but it's still very close. When you look, I, I feel like looking at the colored blocks on the page helps your brain to instantly pick out those patterns and you realize, huh, my baby does have a pattern. And you can start to work your routine to fit your baby's pattern and your life. One of the first things that I recommend with that routine is to pick a wake-up time. Now, if your baby had a horrible night, you might sleep later for sure. But pick a wake-up time, get up, and get dressed. Put the baby uh, on a blanket on the floor or in a bouncy seat. Let them be on their little Montessori-style child bed. We've talked about that some in Smart Mama Happy Baby lately. Whatever you do, they they have these new like 
they have a boppy pillow now that's not a boppy, but it has a little nest for the baby, which I've seen a couple clients have recently. It looks kind of cute. But, you know, you put your baby on something like that and get dressed. Put your baby on something like that on, in your bathroom and take a shower and then get dressed. I don't wear makeup, but if you wear makeup and it makes you feel better, makes you feel more fixed up or sexier or prettier or whatever, you just like the way that it gives you that little something, put a little bit of makeup on. Who cares if the only person who's going to see you until your husband gets home is your baby? It doesn't matter. Maybe maybe the UPS man will come to the door. I have to laugh about that because my husband always picks on me about the UPS man, though neither of us like our new one. Anyway, so he doesn't pick on me quite as much anymore. But, you know, if it makes you feel better, it's worth it for you. That's I've been having a lot of fun with my uh, oldest lately, my 15-year-old. She and I have been looking at a lot about fashion and color palettes and picking the wardrobe and the style of dress that's right for you. And, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the resources that we've been using is the emphasis has been so much on what helps you feel good. How do you feel good about yourself? And so this is a time when I think that even though you're at home, you can feel good about yourself. You can look into this type of thing. Uh, and you might be at an awkward point right now where pre-pregnancy things don't fit. Maternity stuff doesn't work. But you can probably find a couple of cute outfits that make you feel good. And you don't have to put a lot of effort into it. I'm super busy. I do not put a lot of effort into fashion, but I've taken a few minutes here and there. Um, I don't spend nearly as much time on it as Cassidy does, but I think it's so much fun to see the fun that she has with it, and it inspires me somewhat. And it's just, it doesn't take much time to, to feel good or to, you know, you can shop the racks at Goodwill if you are, I'm in between sizes, I'm not going to go spend a lot of money on something new. Go to Goodwill or the equivalent in your area, thrift shop. Find a cute top that does fit right now. A couple of cute tops that do fit right now. And get up in the morning, get dressed, fix your hair, put on a little makeup if you like that. Those sorts of things will help you feel better. They will help. Remember, you're not doing it for you, so don't get upset if your husband comes home and doesn't notice. You're doing it for you. So what makes you feel good? I feel like that will really help, especially if you're struggling with the day-to-day, -day, because again, you're doing it for you. And then take from there, again, create a normal daily routine. So maybe, you know, maybe your morning routine, you get up, you make yourself a little bit of breakfast, you sit down, you nurse the baby for a while, you get the baby changed and fresh, and then the two of you go out for a walk. And that's, that's your normal morning routine. And then you get home, and by that time, baby's snoozing, maybe in the stroller or in the baby carrier. Maybe you can do a, a nice switch off where you lay the baby down on a blanket on the floor or some other safe surface, and then you're able to go fix lunch. Or maybe you fix lunch with baby in the carrier. Maybe you've got your toddler in tow, and so he or she is involved in making lunch. This is something we've been talking about a lot in Smart Mama Happy Baby is how do we involve our toddlers in our lives so that we are having lots of quantity time as well as good pockets of quality time. 
So, you know, just think through this sort of thing. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. When I had only small children, it wasn't complicated, but there was a general ebb and flow to our day. And for most of the times that I've had a baby or a young toddler, when they have had their afternoon nap, I have laid down and have an afternoon nap. It may not be as long as theirs. It may only be 20 minutes or a half an hour, but that really helped me recharge. So again, that's that ebb and flow to the day. Another really nice thing about nap time, and we're going to circle back to this, is helping establish a good nap time, and it might take some time especially if you haven't done it or if you have a very young baby. Remember, newborns are a different kind of animal. But if you've got an older baby, four months plus, or a toddler or preschoolers, a nap time, or for your preschoolers, a quiet time in the afternoon can give you some time to take care of you. And again, we'll circle back to that in a little bit. So have that normal routine in place. Follow that routine, and your weeks might have a routine too, and we'll circle back to this as well, so there may be a day that you go out during the week, but just having that normal flow can give you something to get up without thinking. We get up, we get dressed, we move into the routine, we move through the day, instead of just sitting around on the computer or on the couch kind of listless and not doing anything. I have one of my teenagers is having a lot of trouble with that kind of struggle right now in his life is he just kind of ends up sitting around when he's got free time and I'm trying to figure out how do I motivate him to do something with his time because I can see how it's impacting him emotionally and mentally to just sit around idly. It doesn't really do any of us any good. If you really need to be resting, then lay down or put on a guided relaxation or read a book. Do something restful. Take a warm bath. But don't just sit there idly because that's that's not a way to get yourself into a good place. That's why we fill our day with a, a routine. It can be simple but meaningful. So look at that. Try and figure out how to put that into your life. I also recommend that you get outside on a daily base, basis, especially if you can get out into nature, even if you live in an urban or suburban area. Is there a nice park that you can get to? Uh, does your neighborhood have a nice natural area where you can walk? Even when we lived in town, we could walk to kind of a little corner park. And there were bushes and things for the kids to run around and into. And it was just really nice. And then even strolling down the streets of our neighborhood, there were trees and landscaping and things like that to look at. So just being out in nature, I feel, can really be helpful to you. Put your baby in a carrier if you really want to be. Uh, if this is, I think this is interesting, and this is a little tangent, but you know, Katie Bowman, I have lots of respect for her work. I love her, but she says that you should carry your baby. Just carry your baby, and that can actually help fussy babies because you're essentially giving them proscriptive stimulation because you know one arm gets tired and you shift them to the other arm or their head kind of bobbles as they're sleeping so you shift a little bit and therefore their bodies constantly need to compensate or you you know you're walking up uphill and then you're going downhill and so you're shifting and your baby has to shift and she says she feels like sometimes we have fussy babies just because they're craving that movement stimulation and so she's a big she's a big proponent of carrying your baby literally in your arms rather than in a baby carrier. I find that interesting. I have a book. 
It's called Baby Celebrated. I had to turn and look at my bookshelf. It's like a big coffee table book, and it just shows babies from around the world in different cultures. And one thing that is very interesting is that there are baby carriers in most of those cultures, even cultures that we would say are much more like our ancestral cultures. So when I look at that, I think, okay, well, humanity has been using baby carriers for a long time. But I definitely see what Katie's saying. I don't think it really matters. I think you should get out and walk with your baby, and if one day you want to use a baby carrier, that's fine. If another day you want to carry your baby, that's fine. If you really need to use a stroller, I think that's fine too. I feel like the benefits for you especially, and as your child gets older and gets to toddler, preschooler age, the benefits for them especially of being able to toddle along down a nature trail uh, are, are great. You're just out, you're in nature, you're in the sun, you're in the air, you're in the fresh air. You're not stuck in the house. This is another thing that I've noticed with a lot of moms postpartum is even in those first couple of weeks, they ask, is it okay if I go sit out on the back deck? Is it okay if I go sit out on porch? Um, Because they just, they want to be outside. They want to move out of that space that can feel really isolating. So get outside some. Get outside as often as possible. If you can make a daily walk part of your routine or even a morning and evening walk part of your routine, I I would really encourage you to do that. Okay, the next part, this is coming back to that weekly routine, is I really recommend that you find a local mom's group that you can go to. I believe that especially with your first child and especially with a younger baby, it's really nice if you can do this once a week because that group is for you. It's not for your baby. (laughs) Um, That group is for you, and to get that support from other moms is really great. You will usually find ones that meet once a week or every other week, which might feel a little more manageable, or once a month. La Leche League groups usually meet once a month. A lot of natural mom groups meet once a month or every other week. You can also find in many communities a lot of breastfeeding support groups that meet weekly, especially if they're sponsored by a local hospital, which shouldn't. I don't feel like that should be a turnoff. I know that our local hospital has... Um, a breastfeeding support group that meets weekly, and I've only heard good things about it. So usually the lactation consultants are very knowledgeable, and of course there are other moms for you to talk to. Another option, and this is the option that I found when my little ones were little, including my very first, was our library had a baby story time. And I really appreciated that because it was all moms with babies, and I met one mom who became a great friend in that way. So look in your community and see what there is, even if it's not necessarily, like my baby story time at the library was not a natural moms group, though the mom that I ended up making lifelong friends with was a natural-minded mom. But that really helped me to go to that. Even though not all the moms were parenting in the same way that I was, there were parents there with, um, you know, formula and everything like that. And there were moms there that were nursing their babies. It was just, it was more that it was a mom's group. And then I also went to a La Leche League group once a month where there were more natural-minded moms. And that was really vital to me too. In fact, I became a La Leche League leader. I'm a retired leader now. But I became a La Leche League leader to keep that group going in my community for a few years after our leader, uh, her husband, was transferred and she had to move and I just didn't want to see the group go away. So 
you know, there's there are resources out there in many, many communities, and it might be worth it, especially if it's a once a month group. Even if you've got to drive a little bit, it can be really helpful, and you might end up finding another mom who has had to drive a little bit. So I would encourage you to reach out into your community for real moms. See what there is in your community. If you have um, a nice preschool like Montessori or Waldorf preschools in your area, they often have groups for um, you know for parents of younger children who are too young to be in the school yet, but they have like mom and baby groups or or parent baby groups, and so that's another resource to look into. So just take a peek at that. Um, I also think that finding an online support group can be a good idea. That can be a great way where if you don't have anybody who's really like-minded to you in your area, an online support group can help fill in that gap. I have been in due date clubs throughout most of my pregnancies. Um, I've been in variations of online support groups and have found those really helpful at times. I would encourage you not to spend all of your time in an online support group. One thing that tends to happen, and this can even happen in, in mom groups where you're in real life, is you don't see that person's real life. And so you can get impressions that, you know, she has the perfect life or she has everything going on or, you know, tempers can flare, groups can dissolve and break up. And of course, that can happen in real life too. But especially in an online group, use it to be there as a support. Use it to get feedback, especially when you need feedback from like-minded parents. But don't make that, I would encourage you not to make that your only source of support unless that really is the only thing that you can find. Another good thing that I think, this is something that really helped me personally, was um, to, to continue to be a student of parenting at first, especially with my babies. I'm a voracious reader anyways of nonfiction. Uh, I was always interested in things like when, when Cassidy was a baby, I was at the library and found Laurie Bach's book, Infant Potty Training, when she was about six months old. Some blessed soul had donated that to the library. That's how I found out about elimination communication. Um, I did, But I did lots of reading on different things. So I was interested in, in you know, different methods of child development and all of that. And so you can read those things and you can have fun with that. So reading, um, uh, there's a lot of physical therapists who are publishing things now who have worked specifically with children of fun activities that you can do with your little one. You can read about different pedagogies like Montessori and Waldorf and how they apply in babyhood. We're doing a lot of that sort of reading in Smart Mama Happy Baby right now. But those sorts of things are fun. Don't get overwhelmed. One of the things that I ended up doing was um, you know, I would look in this forum at all these Waldorf playrooms that all these families had put together, and it's like I could never have afforded to do that. So there's a little bit of resentment there, but, you know, then I also had ideas for at birthday time, what am I going to ask for for birthdays or when somebody says they want to give me a gift. So don't look at it as a way to criticize yourself or your situation, but think about, okay, these are good ideas that I can get to do with my baby. These are ways I can foster my baby's development. You're not going to be poking and prodding at your baby all the time. If you feel like you need to do that, read the book Montessori from the start. Um, the I think it's The Young Child from Birth to Age Three. We did a book study on that book, and it talks about the benefits of setting things up and then letting your baby explore. But that sort of thing can be fun for you. And then as your child grows into an older baby and a toddler, 
you can set up a lot of things for them to do and explore with them. I can still remember that our library had a little kit on exploring water and it had a little water wheel and stuff. And we set that up with a basin in the middle of the kitchen floor, me and my three oldest when they were very tiny. And that was so much fun to play and explore with them. You can see what kind of resources your library has. There are lots of books on, you know, preschool science experiments and things like that. You don't have to be trying to teach anything. It's just exploring the world and having fun. La Leche League used to publish a book. It's probably out of publication now, but it was on setting up an at-home preschool kind of thing or a preschool co-op. It had many, many great ideas for just helping your child be curious and engaged in learning about his or her world. So there's probably many books like that still out and about. And you can look into things like that and many things that don't take a lot of materials. You know, playing with water or sand or that sort of thing. It doesn't have to take a lot of setup on your part. Some of that stuff can feel really overwhelming. But think about activities that take very little, that help your child explore just the world that they're in. Involve your toddler in household cleanup and that sort of thing. Those are ways that you help your child explore and experience the world. And you also get to, to experience some of their awe and wonder in that too. Um, the final thing I want to talk about today is something for you, and I told you we would circle back to what do you use that nap time time for, that quiet time time for. I think it's important for moms to take up a hobby. What's something that you're interested in? You know, what's something that you can do for you? I can give you some stereotypical things. A lot of moms start a blog or they want to write or they get into photography. You know, those are, again, some stereotypical things. Today, also, crafting is a really big thing. Etsy and um, Ravelry and all those sorts of websites have helped make handicrafts make a huge comeback. So what's something that appeals to you? What's something that you feel like would be a good expression of you? For me, it's been studying birth and babies pretty much probably since I was a baby myself, but that's what I feel passionate about. But you probably feel passionate about something different. Um, so what do you feel passionate about? What do you want to do with your time? Maybe that is not going to be the primary focus of your life while you're mothering, but I definitely think that there's ways to find time for pockets of you. And I really believe that that's very nourishing to helping you overcome that sense of loneliness and isolation. And this is another place where online groups can be a boon because you could find an online group um, of photographers or even mommy photographers or an online group for mommy bloggers. Whatever it is that is of interest to you, you can probably find a community online. And again, resist the temptation to be overwhelmed because she can do this and I can't. You know, find your happiness with where you are right now and also look forward to the future. That's where I'm at right now is... My research on pregnancy, birth, and baby was just that research and writing articles for my website. And now I'm at a place in life where I'm able to be out and about more actually serving women as a student midwife, actually enrolled in academics for that sort of thing. But it took quite a bit of time to get to the place where my life was right for that. But I didn't, you know, that I continued to foster and even do something productive with that dream up until then. And that's very likely to be true for you with whatever you do. Um, if you're ever interested, go look at lists of female entrepreneurs and you'll often see that what it is that they do now, they started while they had little kids and they were at, you know, at nap time or after the kids went to bed, they were working on this. So remember, 
So many women have done it before you, and you can do it too. It may be small now. It may grow later. It may stay small. It doesn't really matter. But it's something about you. So remember that there is you, and that's one of the reasons why I think having a routine, having a nap time, having a quiet time, it gives you the opportunity to find those pockets of you time, which I believe can really help you. So with that, we've gone through quite a few tips uh, to help overcome things, getting you out, getting you up and dressed and feeling good, and just taking care of yourself, getting out and about somewhat for a walk, out to a mom's group, all those sorts of things that can really help you. Um, and I really think that's the big thing is get up tomorrow, say I'm going to get dressed, and I'm going to start brainstorming. Don't say there's nothing for me. There may not be something locally, but again, maybe if you have to drive for a bit once a month for a Leche League meeting, you might find a friendship that you didn't know was ever going to happen. So just look. The opportunities are probably there. The you time is probably there. I just encourage you to look around and find it. And remember, too, that a lot of your fulfillment can come from enjoying and exploring with your kids. So don't forget that. All right, with that, ladies, uh, if you would like to hear more from me, you can sign up for the newsletter. Head over to TrustBirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. I've also talked about a lot of practical things in here, and that's one of the things that we do in Smart Mama Happy Baby. Every, every month we're doing book studies. We have discussions and topical classes. So if you're interested in checking out what's going on in the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club, that is at SmartMamaHappyBaby.com. That's M-A-M-A, Smart mama happybaby.com i would love to see you there otherwise i will chat with you next week and hope that you have a blessed week thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with Kristen burgess for great resources and tons more info visit www.birthbabylife.com visit www.birthbabylife.com